All right, everybody. What you don't know is that we had a first try. So um, thank you guys for listening to Talker Tap. This is our, what, eighth episode or whatever. Um, we have a very special guest who just came off fighting his first pro boxing fight. Dan Hamburglar Cormier. What's AKA up? DC 2.0, as Jose would call me as well. You know, everything's good. Just chilling. Glad that you're doing so, the show again. Thank you, know? you. Thank you. Yeah. And it's an honor to be on it. I'm grateful, you know. Thank little, you. A little bit of press, you know, here and there. And mm-hmm. honestly, trying to support you as well, you know. It's like, oh, thank you. If there's anything that like my name can do for you to help you get more out there, more exposure, I'm all about it, you know. Whether it's like sharing, word of mouth, internet, social media, all that stuff. I like it that you have a lot of experience. What? How, how long have you been doing martial arts for? Oh, God, if you really want to get into it. I started wrestling at like a really young age. Like yeah. not many people like when... Five or six years old, I started, but then, like, that was, like, an introductory level because, like, our parents, because my brother and myself, you know, our parents threw us into, like, everything. Mm -hmm. And then I actually got into wrestling because I used to be a big soccer player back in the day. Really? I know. You wouldn't think about it. You don't play soccer anymore? No. I was too physical. I was kind of like a bulldozer, just running people over, you know. But, uh, no, but I ended up breaking my foot, actually, in a soccer game. And I couldn't kick a ball too well. And then I needed something to do during the winter and, like, strengthen it. And my brother during that time, too, was uh, he started high school wrestling. So I was in, like, middle school because after, like, a long, like, time off, like, five or six years old, you know, the introductory level. Mm -hmm. And we ended up getting into it. And so uh, the long story short was he was wrestling in high school, and then he'd come home and beat me up all the time. With mm-hmm. all these funky moves, you know, and I'm just like, what the hell, you know, it's like, yeah. I don't know what to do. So I picked up wrestling, like, middle school and excelled pretty quick at it because I like the fact of the individualized sport, but then also a team effort mm-hmm. as well, too, because you need a team in order to train. Did you experience some of that when you were doing soccer? Um, so- what's What's... So- I guess what's the difference between a soccer team and a wrestling team? Well, mainly the big thing was, like, when... More, more so the accountability level on certain things mm. because of the fact that like, you get your own individualized glory. So, for example, like growing up in the wrestling community, True. that your team could win like the state team, uh, the state championship, which is awesome, you know. Mm-hmm. But then if you're not on like a highly stacked team that's going to like dominate the tournament, you as an individual can also do your own thing and take home a state title to your team mm-hmm. being the individual, you know, so that way you have your own glory. And then people are like, Oh, he's from that school, you know, and then you get a reputation that way and no one of being like that. You're a good wrestler or you're a stud mm-hmm. or anything like that at that point. Nice. I, I'm not going to, I don't mean to jump because I, I do know that this is recent, but I am going to go back to that. But you had your first pro boxing fight. Um, tell me about, the aspect of just everything that went through with that fight. Cause just cause it was so recent. I want people oh, to hear yeah. about it. Oh yeah. So pretty much like, I mean, when you're doing MMA, you kind of train everything. So like a lot of things get neglected so you can like pick up on certain areas and stuff like that. And to me, kind of like this whole pandemic thing was a blessing in disguise because I wanted to get into boxing because they have more weight classes for me mm. since I'm a smaller like person me fighting at flyweight, the guys are just big, you mm-hmm. know, they're cutting a bunch of weight and I walk at like 25. Okay. So, and then when I kind of did my own research on it, they had like 122, there's 118, 115 and 112. So those are all very appealing to me mm-hmm. because I know how to cut weight and stuff like that and how to do it the right way. And then that way I can finally be like the factor of I can be bigger and stuff like that yep. too. Yeah. But also in a pound for pound type setting where I can hold my own, like we were talking about earlier beforehand that I could, uh, when it comes time for like an actual pound for pound and skill level, you can actually see my skills come through because I don't have to worry about a size factor being such a big issue Mm. going on at that point. But so during the pandemic, started picking up boxing a little bit more, doing all my 4am workouts at the gym that I go to stuff like that. And Jose was like, Who's Jose, by the way? Jose is the boxing head boxing uh, coach at 401 in Cranston. And awesome guy, awesome guy. You know, taught me a lot, you know. And the door is just opening right now for myself. And 
I'm glad that he's wants to be a part of that journey and kind of like mm-hmm. help me get through it all. Who found who? Um, I kind of messaged him during the pandemic. Like, hey, you know, I want to stop boxing and I have MMA experience and everything else. And then he was like, all right, well, show up at this time at 4 a.m. if you're going to be serious about it. And me, I'm like, all right, cool. You know, yeah. showed up and everything like that. Got some mitt work with him, went through the workout and stuff like that. And then he realized like how good my work ethic is. Because if I'm going to be doing something, I'm going to be all in for it mm. at that point. And then after like maybe like two or three weeks went by and then I got the hit pads with them, stuff like that, you know, then he was like, ah, he goes, what weight could you get down to? I was like, I can make 115, you know, and he's like, interesting, you know, because of the fact that he, I had some nice pop in my punch, pretty mm-hmm. good skill going into it already. And then he's just refining everything. And then he's helping me progress more with my MMA when helping me realize certain things and angles and everything else. But mainly he was waiting for me to say, like, I want a boxing fight. But he, in his head here, he had, like, plans for me. He wanted me to take a boxing fight, especially at the lighter uh-huh. weights, too. And then one day I was like, hey, I want to take a fight. And then so we had, like, a straight-out year to train pretty much just to progress, get better, because there was no competitions going on. So during all this time, I've been focusing on a lot of boxing in it kind of showed through in my last fight that I had like two, three weeks ago, something like that. And uh, how much did you focus on your boxing when you were doing MMA? I focused on it a little bit, but I did more of uh, the Moy Lao with Master William yep. because of stylistically I need to be moving around a lot and I need to utilize every weapon that I can. Mm-hmm. But now that when it's boxing and it's just the hands, like – I don't have that much fear of it because when you're used to getting hit with like knees, elbows, and kicks to your head, it, a eight ounce glove doesn't really threaten you as much. So the in, in my eyes, at least, because yeah. when it's only one set of weapons that I'm worried about, I'm like, all right, cool. I don't have to worry about like anything else. So I was actually more relaxed going in there compared to MMA. And you didn't focus anything on your feet, like there's no instinct or anything. Um, no, we did like a lot of footwork drills. We did a lot of like boxing. We did rounds like for that last fight. I did over 200 rounds of sparring Wow! for it. And like, and when I'm talking about like rounds, it's like I started off doing like maybe eight rounds in my cardio was good doing like 10 rounds, you know, and I was sparring about three times a week where Tuesday morning at 4am, Wednesday night, and then Friday night as well. And switching off like different training partners and stuff like that constantly. And this is the span of how long? And just, well, during like the fight camp of it. So I got word of that. And then it was probably like maybe June, like maybe June-ish, May, where we've kind of got in touch with a promoter and stuff like that. And so I'll probably say like maybe mid-June is when we were in like fight camp mode. At that point. But during the whole entire time, I was still training consistently at Triforce and 401. Because I'm at 401 three times a week at 4 in the morning. Now that you've started? No, no, I've been doing that for like the past like year and a half. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What made you want to start doing boxing? Um, Why not? I don't know. I was just like, might might as well, you know, because of the fact of the weight classes, you know, and then mainly just Mm. because the fact it's like, I had a lot. I had a few opportunities to actually like fight elsewhere, but we were waiting for the right fight that was going to be like locally, just to like get my feet wet first, you know, to see mm-hmm. how it would go, and it went well. And now the fact is like my weight is like really low, mm-hmm. and we're looking at multiple weight classes. We have like a nice plan set out right now because I wanna mm-hmm. I wanna compete in the last fight was at 122. We want to do at least like a 118 a 115, and then hopefully for a bigger promotion. 112. What's the purpose of going to fight in each one of these classes? To me, in my eyes, it's just more so the fact of like a pound for pound status Uh, and make yourself more advertisable, knowing that you're comfortable fighting from this weight to this weight, then more potential matchups can come your way Mm -hmm. from there. So that's kind of the thinking that I have with it right now. And how'd you feel in your boxing fight? I felt really good because of the fact I didn't have to worry about like a takedown or someone laying on top of me. Didn't have to worry about an elbow coming to my head or a knee. You never felt like you know? throwing a kick? Did, huh? did the thought 
No, that's nothing, awesome. Nothing like that. Like I made like I have pretty good like boxing ability, mm-hmm. but the fact was it was it was a it was a nice journey to be able to get out there and do that and focus on one part of a martial art in its own versus worrying about everything being thrown at you at once. Mm. And that was the big thing that we were talking about mm. earlier that. Uh, even as an MMA fighter, yeah, I will, I like to fight in MMA, but I also want to do every sport in its own aspect as well. So in that way, I can show that I have skill in each discipline versus doing all of them in like one Tasmanian devil setting. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm glad that you got to talk now because you got to tell people what you want to do. I had no clue, and no one would think that you would want to do anything outside of MMA, like even in boxing. I thought you were just trying to try out boxing because of the pandemic and you had trouble finding fights, but this is awesome that you have an elaborate plan. Oh yeah. No, there, there's a plan. Too. There's a plan behind it. Like I said, That's awesome. too. And it's like, cause my goal is, and still has been my goal is I want to get to one FC. That's the ultimate goal for myself. And I was on one of the Bellator undercards. That was cool and all stuff like that. But if they, I could, I felt like I could have had a better performance if it was at, my real weight class. What weight class did you fight in that night? I fought at flyweight. Very game opponent, Johnny Lopez. Hats off to him. He's a good dude, you know. Stuff like that. Very talented as well. Has he fought since? He fought maybe on one of the CES shows before the pandemic against okay. Blaine, I want to say. And and the hat went off towards Blaine. Mm-hmm. I, didn't get, I didn't get to see it or anything like that, but... I know that he fought then, but then ever since, because then it was during that time when maybe a few months later, that's when Corona hit. Mm-hmm. So, and then everything got put on pause, which sucked. I know. <laughs> for everybody. How was that for you? I was just chilling. Yeah. You know, it's like I, I was running, I was going hunting and everything like that, you know? Yeah. So I, I saw all like, those posts. <laughs> Sorry, man. Got man it. loves hunting. Yeah. Gotta, gotta get that bow arrow out, you know? Hunter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How did you get interested in that? That's a nice so, hobby. I want to do that in the future myself. Oh, dude, it, it's fun. It's it's very therapeutic, actually, too. <laughs> and it's very it's a very skillful thing that you do have to get, like, disciplined with, as you would for, like, anything else in, like, the combat sport world. They're, like, the little, like, slight, like, like twitch of, like, your wrist mm. could make the arrow completely miss, or you can hit directly. Even when you have to take into other factors of, like, all right, if there's an animal walking in front of you, all right, cool. How far is that animal away from you? Because then you have to line up your shot, get your proper distance and everything like that. And then when you're drawing back and stuff. But then, all right, is there a wind coming, a crosswind that can move your arrow like a quarter of a centimeter versus getting the kill versus wounding it, you know? Mm. Or even like your breathing techniques and then your anchor points and then with your vision and everything else. And then are you shoot like are you going to be an idiot and try to shoot through something? Or you're going to wait till you have, like, that clear lane where you don't have to worry about anything disrupting your arrow's flow at that point. And are you thinking about this with the same animal uh, or with every animal? Every animal. Every animal is the same idea. Every animal is the same. You want to get the best clean shot that you can so in that way the animal does not suffer. Oh, okay. Because then if you hit a bad shot and then, like, you spine it, that thing can run off, like, three to 500 yards and you have to go track it. Mm. Good luck trying to find like that blood track and keep going with it, because then you have to kind of let it like do its thing for a little bit mm-hmm. at that point. And then if you go too early, you could spook it. Then it'll run off like another like four hundred yards, and you have to drag that thing all the way back. So this is the only thing that you're focusing on. There's no, there's not a bunch of them at a time. No, yeah, like oh, okay. you, normally you're luck. Like I, I have cameras and everything set up at my land that I go to in Connecticut. Oh, so cool. in that way, I can kind of see, like, what time, what the patterns are, as if you were studying, like, martial arts, where wow. they're coming through from, like, 4 a.m. to, like, 7 a.m. So you have to kind of plan your whole entire, like, when you, that's why it's so crucial for me getting up at, like, 3 in the morning, so I can get to my tree stand and everything else, and that doing everything in the dark, get myself set up. Oh, yeah. Are you a morning person? I never used to be, but now I really am. You sound like you do that a lot. <laughs> well, because you from, get up in the morning. Well, from bo- even on my days like today, like this is my day off from training. You think that I sleep in? Nah, it's like I'm still up at like three thirty. I try to sleep, but it's like sometimes my body's just like, nah, you gotta go. This is what you do. You're moving. Get so like I'll start like cleaning at like three thirty in the morning, like sweeping my floors, you know. But then it's like I have no reason to get it done. 
There's no reason why you should have a messy house at that point. You know? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and what time do you go to sleep? Like 10.30. So you get... So I get like nice... at most like five hours if I'm lucky. And you're and you're fine with it or you wish you had more? So, I mean, sometimes I wish I had more, but then in my head, it's like somebody's working harder than me. Wow. That's why. You know what? Staying on track with that, what you just said, yeah. um, I want to touch on what I wanted to ask you about. And that's, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Work, Work harder. Exactly. So that was actually like a Joe Rogan, Cameron Haynes thing. And I love that. Every time you say that, the hashtag is awesome. Oh, yeah. So it originally, so it started from like this guy from Joe Rogan, who everybody knows, but he has a buddy named Cam Haynes, who's a, the ultimate predator. I watched some of his videos and he's a bow hunter as well. He's a man that he, like, if you watch some of his videos and, like, how he would train, you would feel like a lazy sack of shit and be like, holy fuck, like, how does this guy do it all? And I can't even get up for, like, 8 o'clock in the morning. You mm. know, it's like he he would run a marathon in a day where he'd do, like, maybe 10, 12 miles in the morning, catch, like, another, like, 6, 7 miles on his lunch break, and then at nighttime get, like, the last, like, 5 miles that he needed on top of working a full-time job. He has a family weightlifting everything else and still getting his bow shots in every morning and every night, you know, and then he, he, he prepares himself and works hard in that sense for the hunt because he goes <laughs> deep, deep woods where he's like quartering up an elk from like maybe like 50 miles out. Wow. You know, so it's like when, so when he's packing meat, like meat on his back and stuff like that, he's hauling ass at that point, you know. What do you mean by packing meat? So when you're in the wild, you if you're out that far, you're not gonna drag like uh, x like five six hundred pound like elk more, you know. Mm-hmm. So when you quarter it up, you have to quarter it up on site, which is you take the legs off, the back mm-hmm. straps, the ribs, meat cut, and stuff like that. So you legitimately butcher it pretty much on site at that mm-hmm. point. And then they have backpacks that are made that can carry like a good amount of weight on it. So in that way. You can still walk and have the hide and then have, like, the head if you want with the rack on it and everything else. And the rack is the antlers, mm-hmm. in a sense. And you're taking the whole animal back with you? You take as much as you can back. Okay. But otherwise, he if you're very ethical, you're going to get everything that you can off of it. Not yeah. leave anything behind. And then whatever does get left behind, it goes back into the wilderness because then all the other animals will feed off right. of what's left, you know. So it's like full circle of life at that point. Okay. And what's the least important part if you were to leave a piece behind? Honestly, it's like you don't want to leave anything behind. Mm. But you're not going to like take the genitals or anything like that. Like I, would, <laughs> I wouldn't assume so. You know? Yeah, right. That's I mean, but who knows? Maybe in other cultures it might be yeah. a cool thing. You, yeah, that's you just, what I'm but thinking. but you, you just don't know though. Yeah, right. That's awesome. And um, and that's whether that's what the keep hammering is for too. Huh? When I when I hashtag keep hammering, and that's yeah, because yeah, yeah. the the long grind throughout the day, nobody cares work hard. You know what? You just gotta keep hammering because at the end of the day, if no, if you don't at least care about what you're doing or anything else like that, then who else is gonna care? So mm. it all starts off with you. You are the one that has to care first. Right, and I I I've said that to you through Instagram or something like that, and and I know you use it. And I don't see it as offensive at all. I actually kind of see it as as like a realization for me to, like, yeah, that's true. Nobody cares. Yeah, nobody like, really cares. And people like it's funny because like my dad will always kind of bust my chops. But when I first started like saying it, you know, mm-hmm. and he was like, "I can't." I'm like, "Dad, it's not about that." It's like, <laughs> it's like, right? Hush up, man. You know, right. it's like people on Facebook when I have like the nobody cares thing. Somebody will give me like that little Karen heart hugging thing or whatever, and I'm like. No, it's like I don't need that. That's sympathy right there. I'm not yeah. asking for that. You know, it's like I'm I'm motivating myself. I'm keeping myself inspired, and I'm inspiring others. You know. So there's so there are people that don't understand it. Some people so. that when you look at it at face value right away until you get to know me. Yeah. Then you you're like okay like what's he like trying to like prove or like what's he trying to like stand for like or does nobody really care about this person because sometimes internet and social media platforms can be looked at. It, through multiple perspectives at that point, mm. you know, and that's the big thing is that everybody has a different view and a different perspective. Yeah. So until you actually get to talk to the person and like understand like their angle of things, then yeah. No, it matches you very well 
because I know that you have a really nice work ethic. And just to hear it myself, what, what you train for, for boxing. Oh, yeah, it's funny because, like, while, while I'm at the gym for, like, boxing or, like, at, at Triforce for MMA, you know, it's like, I'll bust people's balls. Like, hey, guess what? Nobody cares, man. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> people just start laughing like that, you know. And, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but then they know that it's like, all right, you know, he's just busting my chops yeah. right now. But then when I'm taking my training seriously, it's because at the end of the day, I'm the one that has to care about it, mm-hmm. you know. And and then people have said like, oh, yeah, you know, it's like that's kind of like it's been motivating me. It's been inspiring because it's like you're not looking for people's opinions at mm-hmm. a certain point. And that's why you have to tell yourself like nobody cares because you're the, it goes back to you again. And um, what was I going to I was going to ask. Um, I, I just spaced out. <laughs> oh, sorry. Not much has changed about you, Candyman. I know. <laughs> so um, I've noticed that you have an, uh, a very not secretive, but like a, a low key approach to to working out and training like when you have a fight it's just we all know that you have a fight and you train and then we see you and and you fight and then we find out like it's not really posted up much or you just you just get your head down and grind yeah and i really admire that because like you wouldn't have you wouldn't even know that you're fighting it just always looks like you just randomly get into a comp a tournament or competition or something like a fight and it's like oh shoot i never felt that you ever stopped preparing for one i just always feel like you are on one <laughs> life is a fight yeah you know and yeah, and, that, and that's the big thing too it's like they always say the way that you train is the way you're gonna fight you know so if you're not gonna have the intensity most of the time then what what were you really doing at that point so then you, how are you gonna make your gains then if you're not yeah. gonna push that red line so often so um you don't have an off season no 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 off season so how long do you think you've been training since? Oh, goodness. I mean, if you think about it, because, like, when I started as a youngin, even when I was wrestling, yeah. there was no, like, there's a season for wrestling. But for me, no, nah, wrestling was life. And there was no off That's season. Cool. I wrestled fall time, winter, spring, summer, did summer camps, got sent out to, like, Oklahoma, Pennsylvania. Oh, Stuff wow. like that. You know, my dad sent me out there. Went to, like, Boston University for a little bit here and there to get camps in there. Wrestled at Brown, wrestled at Lehigh, went to Oklahoma State. When I was at Oklahoma State, Cormier was on the Olympic team then, training Uh there. So I met a lot of, like, the pre-UFC fighters when they are in their amateur wrestling careers. Like Jake Ruchel, Johnny Hendricks, Cormier, Munoz, like, all those guys in that, like, Midwest area right there. Have you found that wrestling itself has evolved? Has it changed? Oh, wrestling has evolved because you have all the grappling arts pretty much that are very, very similar. Like judo, jiu-jitsu, and wrestling, there's a lot of uh, comparisons and how much they're like, but then there's a lot of big differences as well, too. But they all have their time and place for each sport. Mm-hmm. And it all depends on how you can mix them in and blend them together nice. at that point. you know. Yeah, and, yeah. and that's why it's evolving so much because you have people's creativity that's just out of the lines now. There's no such thing as staying in between the lines at a point anymore. What do you mean by that? So, like, when you're taught growing up, oh, color between the lines, or else it looks messy. Yeah, yeah. You know, but nowadays in, like, the grappling world and, like, wrestling world and stuff like that, nah, you want to be outside the lines because then you're letting your mind go. You're letting creativity take over and you're letting the flow just go. How can you do that in wrestling? Uh, Wrestling? Mainly, it's like you can have your own unique style, whether like you're a pressure style wrestler or you're like a nice like flow wrestler, a slick wrestler, or then like everyone has their specialty. Like you could be like a good leg rider, you could be good at freestyle, you could be good at Greco. Mm-hmm. And uh, mainly, it's just all about like how much you drill, how much you practice, and like what can you take from this sport that's very comparable and make it work in the rule settings that are provided to you at that point mm-hmm. from there. And and these um different styles of wrestling like Greco freestyle, are these all um se- uh, competed separately or yeah yeah they all competed separately but we're like one of the only countries or the only country that does uh, collegiate style which is college wrestling mm-hmm. folk style most of everybody in like the Europe and every other country in the world they do freestyle folk style. I mean no they do uh, freestyle or Greco I'm sorry but they still have wrestling in their colleges. I mean they. 
but them oh, no. their main focus I think is more so towards like Olympics Olympic style because uh-huh. we're the only ones that are really in the U.S. Because there was one time I wrestled a kid from Israel back in the day, and the only reason why like I could beat him is because of the fact that he wasn't used to like standing up and getting points. Like you have like maybe ten seconds at most to turn somebody in freestyle and get their back exposed. Versus like me being on the ground, if he was to take me down and I stood back up and reversed them, we continue on. Whereas with like freestyle and Greco, mm-hmm. you, there's a little bit of pause in the action to its own degree, mm-hmm. but not so much because of the fact that you have different rule settings going on where it's like right. with the collegiate style wrestling, you have to put them to the back and pin them, which is the same for all the other ones. But when you're doing freestyle and Greco, you can't get turned. Whereas when you're in college, you're on riding, you get riding time and everything else. So it's riding time is you can be when on your you, back for a little bit. Right, riding time means that you're the person that took the other guy down and you're keeping them on the mat. So every time you can keep them on the mat for a minute, you get a point because it's hard to keep somebody on the mat for like remotely even like 15 seconds without getting back up and standing up at that point. So the goal for the guy on the bottom is to have is to get to stand up to stand up, get out. Or get back to neutral or reverse them so in that way they're oh. on the top position at yeah. that point and trying to put them to their back afterwards. And I would say in comparison to jiu-jitsu, that's just being on top? Pretty much in comparison with jiu-jitsu, it's like if you're on top, then yeah, you're considered like the aggressor at that point because you have gravity on your side and mm-hmm. your weight is on your side and that person has to maneuver to get out from under you mm. at that point. Okay. I'm going to move on to your jiu-jitsu journey. Right. And you became a black belt. Yeah. How long ago? Um, like a year is... like a year and a half almost. Like, really? Yeah, because yeah, I got it. fast. Well, yeah, because I got it like. I went by fast. I know. It was, uh, it was right around like uh, when Master Machado came. It was probably, oh, I remember. Yeah, yeah. So was this was, before the pandemic? Yeah, I want to say it was definitely before the pandemic. Okay. Because I remember I was getting ready. I was getting ready to fight, and I just got my black belt. Where at? I was getting ready to fight for uh, ammo in March. Yeah. And then legitimately, when I got out of the sauna, got done cutting weight, I get a call from my manager. The fight's oh, off because man. somebody in Springfield tested positive for corona. Also, by that time, you we already... So, at that idea. time, I was already... So, like, I got my black belt in January, so... January, February, a, a three-month black belt at mm-hmm. that point. And then everything got shut down. Were you, um, how'd you feel with that? I was kind of disappointed because the guy was talking a lot of smack and I wanted to put my elbow in his face, uh, you know, and I know that he's still talking smack, you know. But don't you? worry. Oh, yeah, he, he definitely, he thinks that he, like, he's some macho, man. Like, he, there's difference of, like, trash talking and then, like, uh-huh. And then gamesmanship, and he kind of didn't know how to do either one of them. <laughs> so what is the difference? Well, like gamesmanship and stuff like that, it's like you, you'll talk about each other's skill level, you know, and like you're like, oh, I'm better here, like whatever, you know, type thing, hyping up the fight in that sense, in my eyes. Mm-hmm. And then when you're trash talking, it's like you try like getting inside the head, saying the most like outlandish things that you could probably say, you know. Whether they're true or not. Yeah, exactly. Just to convince yourself that you think that you have an edge over a person. Right. Have you ever fought somebody like that before? Um, I don't really know because people who deal with me, they know that I'm not there to talk trash or anything like that. That They know that I want to fight. That was going to be my next question. What kind of, outside of fighting, what kind of style do you have? Outside outside of fighting? Nah, I'm just a laid back personality. You know, I just chill. I just go do my thing, go out in nature. I go to work every day, you know. Like, I'm, I'm actually a very quiet person. Like when really? You, oh yeah, like a lot. Of, like unless like you're in like with, you're at my work or like at the gym. Yeah, that, but then if you see me outside of those settings, nah, I spend like a lot of alone time to myself because I'm doing my own thing all the time. Whether it's like I'm watching certain like I'll be watching like fishing videos because I picked up fly fishing and everything else mm-hmm. again, or watch my hunting stuff, learning something in that sense. Or even then, too, it's like I'm, like, trying to, like, find other little hobbies because I know that I can't do this forever. So I want to be able to have something ready for me, and that's what the archery has done for me at this point. 
Oh, that's awesome. You know, so, because, like, once again, can't do this forever, but you can still train and coach and stuff like yeah. that. But it's like, I have to have something that I'm working towards because you have to be working towards something in general in life in order to have some type of happiness. How much more time um, with competitive martial arts do you think you're going to continue with? Um, at right now, I mean, because I'm pretty healthy. You know, I don't have, like, any serious injuries or anything like that. The way that I kind of see it going down is, like, maybe, depending on what the fights go on with, if I can get any MMA matchups, I'll push that for, like, another, like, two or three years. Mm-hmm. Depending on if I can get matchups, and this is including uh, the Muay Thai fights that you want to do. Well, and the- well, that's where it breaks off a little bit. Because then, if MMA's not working in that sense, then that's when I say I'm going to compete in other various forms of mixed martial arts. Where then it's like, all right, I can get more boxing fights, and I'll just focus on boxing if things aren't lining up within the next like year and a half, two years for MMA, and I'll just switch right. over the boxing, okay, or go to the stand up world at that point. Because then. MMA just in general on your body, it can be brutal mm-hmm. over a period of time. So it's like I'm going to want to get that competitive itch all the time still. So mm-hmm. therefore, at least like boxing and kickboxing where you're not taking as much stress on the body from everything, you're still dealing with like nagging injuries, but at least like you're only focusing on one aspect and not worrying about like getting your heel taken off and then catching like the knee in the head during yeah. training by accident or anything like that, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Like I said, I have a few avenues right now that I have options I know. and just playing them right. You know, it's all it comes down to. And um, you have, uh, wait, didn't you, yeah, you did, uh, didn't, you never did a kickboxing? I I was supposed to I, fight for Lion Fight for Muay Thai like three years ago, but then my opponent supposedly got arrested the week of the fight. What? Yeah, so I was midway oh, through my weight cut on like Wednesday or Thursday. And then I get a word that they're probably not going to be able to find me a replacement right away. Oh, man. Yeah, so then I was like, all right, well, guess what? Just call it off. I'm going to go get a cheeseburger right no. now. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, forget the this. Hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I had to go have a burger, you know. Dude, I just bought a burger right now from Chick-fil-A. Oh, I'm jealous, man. <laughs> oh, man. Where do you get your burgers? You usually, well, Are you a burger person for real? I, I am a burger person for real. <laughs> so it's like I do enjoy, like, Whenever I do go out and get, it doesn't really matter where, because I just yeah. eat them. But normally when I order them, like me, me and Dennis Piper just went out the other day, and uh, so we were. How's Dennis I, doing, by the way? Oh, he's doing good. You know, yeah. he's good he's living know. his life. You know, he he's training. You know, he he got a promotion at his job, which is awesome Ooh, too. You know, so nice. He's, he's making other moves outside of like good, man. the combat world. You know, and and that's so where it's, it's great. You know. That's what I want to know, and I think it's important for me to to know, like, what fighters do after when they retire. I know most recently Ken Moy retired. Um, he's working on his fashion, I yeah, believe. Yeah, his fashion. Yeah, yeah. so mm-hmm. it's, it's always nice to know because eventually we're all going to head there. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to see not just with how fighting has evolved when – when people when are we young, were in there, you know, but also like what happens after what, the it's after a very, effect, yeah. yeah, the reality. So yeah, I'm, we're, I'm following your footsteps, <laughs> not just in the fighting, but after too. Oh, it's the after you like, you have to have a, you have to have a contingency plan. Yeah, really. You know, you really do. And because I feel like that's where a lot of people will catch like the depression or the downfall because they don't yeah. know what else is next. They haven't explored any other avenues yet type thing. And this is something that you started while you were fighting or before you were fighting with archery? Uh, so I picked up archery while I was fighting because then, too, it helped me with, like, learning and understanding things. Mm-hmm. And especially, too, after I would do, like, a nice, like, jiu-jitsu, like, session at the gym, go for a nice run, hit some weights, and then trying to shoot when your arms are blown out so that way you work on your discipline and your form. Mm. So then that way you get better at shooting, knowing that when you're tired and when, like, when you shouldn't take a shot, if you're trying to, like, hit your target just in target practice and you feel your hand moving around, not nah, let, let the bow down, let your body rest for like 30 seconds mm-hmm. and then reevaluate and try again. So in that way you get your mind right. Knowing that when something doesn't feel right, the best shot that you can take is sometimes the one that you don't take. Oh, okay. Because That's of the nice fact one, you yeah, don't, yeah, because you don't want to take a bad shot. So you rather put down knowing that you can live the shoot again mm-hmm. in a sense at that point. So is there such thing as getting injured from doing archery? Yeah, actually, John John Dudley, who was another crazy, he was on the U.S. Olympic archery team. And he 
he was a phenomenal athlete too, where he had like a D one like scholarship to go do football, or whatever, mm-hmm. like athlete, you know. And then he turned that down, and he pursued the archery. Then he made the U.S. Olympic team and stuff like that. And during like all that time, he was working at like an archery shop for like maybe like two or three dollars an hour when he could have been playing D one football for free, mm-hmm. taking that level. But then he just saw his journey going that way. And then he actually like quit the U.S. archery team because it was getting in the way of elk season. It's <laughs> funny. <laughs> but then he, but then, more. but then he opened up his own thing. He has his own brand called Knocked On and stuff like that. His own little clothing line, his own little archery stuff. He has his uh, it's uh with PSE bows and it's Evo and then it's called Knocked On. It's an awesome bow. I looked at it. I tried it out. What what does Knock uh, Knocked On have to do with? That's just his brand. That's his like line, pretty much. Yeah. Is is it related anything to? Yeah, it's all archery stuff. Because then it's like it's like he has like a thumb release that you can use where when you hit your anchor point, you know, and you have the string pulled back, lining up to your nose, making the triangle to your lip, going down your chin, going down that way. Where some people have like a wrist release, and then when you pull the lever on it, it releases the uh, arrow on the string and stuff like that. But he has one that's like a hand free, not on your wrist, so it locks in like a ring in that sense. So mm-hmm. that way, the whole point behind it is that instead of having your hand be up here with the release, you can have your hand turned all the way over. So in that way, instead of being here like this, now watch the position where I'm talking about, where I'm here. But then as you're in it, you can turn your thumb over and turn your hand over. So then that way, that forces your elbow to be up at that point versus being here. Because then that way you can get a stronger anchor point right there. Just, oh, okay. just like a jiu-jitsu underhook in that sense with the suitcase yes. that Pete uses. Yes, yes, yes. So in that way you get a nice pullback. And then as you release, you follow through at that point. Wow. Yeah, this is something that he came up with? It, it's kind of been like the written form already. He just perfected it more and more. Wow. You know, but he also, he trains jujitsu as well now too. Oh, I awesome. mean, he, he's only like, a, he's only a white belt, but still though, it's like more oh. so the fact that he knows positions, he understands things, but then he relates a lot of like his archery stuff to jujitsu because you have to have good form and it's how you process things and yeah, it's yeah. how you learn, you know. What rank would you give yourself in archery? Oh God, I'd be like a three stripe white belt still. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's like, there's, there's people that can shoot crazy distances of like three, like 100 plus yards, you know, and like oh, destroy man. their target, you know. What? Oh, yeah. If you, if you look later on, go ahead and look at it. If you look at Cameron Haynes, he shoots, uh, no, it was, yeah, it was Cam Haynes. He shot through something, then he made like an explosion happen, like in his own like little alley. But then there was John Dudley. He took one of Joe Rogan's uh, kettlebells. The on it ones, uh-huh. and you know how it has that small gap hand between it, yeah. right in this, so and that Don't way. Don't tell swing. me. No, no. So about a hundred yards out, he he shot it through the small of <laughs> the thing. Yep, and he hit his bullseye right behind what? it as well. It's crazy, <laughs> dude. Crazy. Dude, I'm telling you, if you go look at some of the stuff that like they post, and you're like, what? These people are like, oh you know, man, you, I it, can't. it's like Hunger Games times, like. Oh God! These would be the guys if, that would survive the Hunger Games. These would be the guys that survive. You better be on their team, or at least to like be running in zigzags because there's no way that you want to be going head on with them. So, how long does it take between getting ready, setting it up, and then actually firing and hitting the target? It it, it all it all depends because a lot of like the bow that I have, so I pull sixty pounds. So essentially, it's like. When you hold your bow upright like this, all right? Think of like you're doing like a back row like this, mm-hmm. but you're doing a back row from up here. Okay. Holding, but the thing is that it locks out and everything else, but you're using your whole core to pull it all. But depending on your poundage that you pull is whether how fast the arrow goes. So like my mat, my thing is like I pull 60 pounds because I think my max is out at like maybe 65, but mm-hmm. I haven't adjusted it yet. But some of those things I shoot in about, like, 310 feet a second. How how much? 310 feet a second. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa, that's fast. So that's almost, like, comparison to, like, maybe, like, 190 miles an hour, something like that. Oh, my. Maybe. 
Uh, I could be wrong. My math is yeah, good. Well, but it, it, so it, it's, it's, it's a crazy thing, you know, because even it's like... It's incredible from the force that you just... Yeah. From the forum. Yeah, exactly, it's, you know. And, like, the big thing, too, wow. it's like when when you hit something cleanly, too, all you hear is, like, a nice, like, all the way through. Ooh. Yeah, you know. So you know before you even... Yeah, because your eyes... What's the your, first thing that lets you know that you got it? Your, your you eyes, because your, your eyes are on the target. Uh, on so what lets you know that is it the hit is it the sound is it there well the, like I said it's your eyes because you can't like as you release it you're watching like the arrow like rotate and spin as it re- oh, releases it all even. the way through and then your eyes stay on your target so in that way you watch because that's one of the first things that you have to do if you're going real hunting you don't want to take your eyes off of it because once again then how are you going to know if you wounded it or got the clean shot that you wanted when you put your pin on it Mm. At that point, do you have any cool stories from when you went hunting once? I mean, not doing things. I mean, I must like, imagine for you they're all cool. Nah, they're actually boring as hell. Wow. <laughs> I, that's something no. I would. No, that, but, that but, fits but my the, personality. No, so but but I, but the thing is though, it's like it's cool every time because it's like when you're out there, mm. it's like because sometimes like because there was like one weekend I went like maybe like only like two or three hours of sleep, and I was up for oh, about man. like. 45 hours straight, pretty much. Yeah, I didn't get any sleep at all. Nothing. Just to And I took like a quick nap and that was it. And that was in my tree stand. Why do you, why do you stay up that long? I just couldn't sleep. I just couldn't. Oh, you couldn't. I thought I, you didn't want to sleep. No, so I, I, just, I just couldn't. What the heck? Yeah. Did you eat? A lot of caffeine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, no, because uh, I was on, I was on like, I was trailing the deer, you know, because I had all the times and everything like that from all my cameras, from checking them from, like, previous weeks and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so mainly the big thing was that when the adrenaline rush that I had from it, so when, sorry for people who are, like, vegan or anything like that, you know. So when I had uh, my shot, when I had it lined up, so I was there at, like, maybe 4, four o'clock in the morning, way before sun sunrise, you know, because you have to get there, settle in. You know, be one with nature. Mm. And so I'm just chilling there, you know. Like, I took a quick nap then. Like, it was, like, maybe, like, two hours or something like that. You know, I fell asleep. I had my uh, harness on so that way I wouldn't fall over or anything like that because that's the number one way that people get hurt. They actually fall out of the tree stands without having a harness wow. or anything like that, you know. And when I was out there, I took a quick nap, you know. and then But then I woke up, so it was probably around, like, 6.30 or so by that point, you know. And I'm kind of just sitting there like, all right, you know, not, I don't really expect to get anything right away because it's like, it's a waiting game. Like I was, I got lucky that day. So I was there at like four Mm -hmm. and then I had my, the deer that I got, it came out around like eight o'clock, eight 30. And it was probably about like 20 yards away from me. Cause I have uh, my uh, little range finder on me so I could like see like how far it is engage it. Cause you have three pins on your bow. Mm. One's like a 20 yard, then the other one's like 25 and then 30 because you don't want to shoot anything really more than like 30 or 40 yards depending on how your skill level is. Okay. You know, like I was saying from the factors of like wind and everything like that, you yeah, know. Yeah, Or whether it takes a step or like if it's not broadside, people, like I said, I'm not going to take a ridiculous shot. Mm-hmm. So I got I got lucky, so I, it's like 8 o'clock and I'm like, and then I hear like the leaves scurrying like, <laughs> like walking. In that sense, I'm like, no way, because when you're up for so long, every everything just sounds like a deer, no matter what. Yeah. It could be a damn squirrel, and you're like, what the hell, you know? It's like get the fuck out of here, you know? It's like you're annoying me, you know? It's like it, bird, like there's certain things that like you like you just associate because you hear a sound, you go, where that, you know? Because you're, like, you're you're anxious, you're waiting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but then I got lucky, and I see it, I see, I see it walk. I'm like, I'm like. <gasps> Like, in my head, I'm, like, to myself, like, talking about, I'm like, oh, shit, you know, it's like, all right, I got to do this. All right, I see it. It's walking my direction. Oh, wow, this is really happening. So, like, it went broadside on me. And then you have to stand up quietly sideways in your stand, you know, because you have, like, a little platform and things like that. And then you have to get your pull back, and then you have to hold your position for a little bit longer because you want to, like, make sure that it walks to the spot where you want it to and, like, with my shooting lane being clear and stuff like that. And so it stopped out of nowhere. I'm like, no, this is too good to be true. 
right now. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but the thing was, it was like it was way worse than like a fight adrenaline that I had. Way worse. Way worse. What do you mean? Because you're taking a life. Holy smokes! Yeah, you take like <laughs> you're thinking like, wow, this is like real deal. You're thinking right that right now. there while you're doing that. Everything happened like Matrix, where it was like slow motion, but yet it seemed so fast. Yeah, like I was sitting there, like I had all this time to think, but then it's like, but it happened within like five seconds. Like once it got, once it got into like my spot where I wanted to go, and I drew back, you know, like everything that I practiced just instinctually kicked in, like I would if I was fighting Mm -hmm. in that point. And then once I let the arrow go, I was like, (gasps) I kept my eye on it, and then that's when I heard that. Whoa! And it, it went right, like right into the rib, like the shot that I got. I got Sick. it was it, it was a serious shot, like because then right when you hit it, you're like <gasps> almost like you're having an adrenaline dump in a fight. Oh in wow! A sense, you know? That I wanted yeah. to ask you that before. If if your arms or, or your heart rate increases, oh when god, it gets jacked. Wow. I and thought you kept yourself calm. Well, you have to. You, but you I, do. You do. But once you release it and then you see that arrow hit, because then once it made the sound, the crack sound, it jumped up. I watched it jump and then it took off. But I got lucky and it dropped within 40 yards. Oh, so you, you couldn't so, see it by then? You no, no, I, 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 no, I saw it. I saw it. I saw it flop. Okay. And I, and I heard it, it went like. Whoa. Just bit with all leaves all around it and everything. Yeah, like yeah. But then you sit there for a minute, you're like, Oh my god. Like like you are just like, wow. Like it's it's a crazy like adrenaline experience like no other. Mm. And I was just like, Wow. And I'm sitting there and like so I was on like my aunt and uncle's property. Yeah. And I, I text her, I was like, Oh my god. I just, <laughs> I just pegged one. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like texting her through everything, you know. And then she was like, Go get it. I'm like, No, I can't yet. Cause I want I want to give it time because I I don't like you you just it, it was first time you know yeah and then so I wait I waited like a good like half hour forty five minutes before I walked over to it you why you took so so long well because I don't if it was her I don't want to spook it oh I didn't I didn't realize how clear of it like I knew I had a clear shot but once again it's like. When you're doing something for the first time, you're just, mm-hmm. like, unsure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, because yeah. you have, like, that little bit of doubt. Mm-hmm. But then, like, once, like, I saw it on the ground, I was, like, a big sigh of relief knowing that, like, all right, it's not going to suffer. Yeah. And everything else, you know, it went down quick. It didn't, like, have any, like, struggle. Because then, like, I, I found my I found my arrow as well afterwards, too. It was on it? No, it went, th- it broke and it went through, like, through it, directly through it. That's cool. It so you can a, use it again? No, it, it snapped in half. Oh, oh. Okay. It, it, went, it went through the heart and the lungs. Whoa. I have pictures of it and stuff like that. Let me, I'll show you it real yeah. quick. It's, it's, to a lot of people, it sounds very gruesome, but it's like, but no, once I, again, I, I used the whole entire animal for food, and I fed I'm about, interesting, like, and, I, and I fed about, like, maybe, like, 10, 12 other families. Wow. I get. I gave. That's a that's a, a a one meal. Like it's good for one meal when you give one to a family. Yeah, as long as you freeze it and everything else, it's good. It's. I gave some to like Coach Pete, Coach Keith. Oh, you nice. Know, and I gave some to a few of my coworkers. You know, stuff like that. A few people here and they're like, and that's people awesome. who haven't had it before. You know, I gave them some as well, or I invite them over to cook it. Yeah. So in that way, to show them like it's good. You know. How's it taste? Well, during during the whole COVID time, you know, when I was out there, it was funny because somebody actually made a comment on that. They're like, "Oh, how's it taste? It ta- like, what's it taste like?" You know, I was like, "Freedom." What was that? I said, "Freedom." <laughs> <laughs> and then they, they were just that's like, they were just, "They were just like, you asshole," and I'm like, "What? <laughs> Freedom? You know, that's what it is, you know." So, but yeah, so here's yeah. Here, here's that picture of the of the heart, though. No way. Yeah. So here, here's what they Dude, look. The <laughs> in that. Oh man, let me see. Yeah, yeah. Look at that. Sick. Oh yeah, it was. That's awesome. The accuracy you had in that. Yeah, and then like the that's whole, amazing. Yeah, I mean, granted, it was oh, it wasn't okay. a buck like I wanted, but once again, the first one that you get, it's always for the refrigerator, so that way you fill fill up your freezer, so that way you have something. <laughs> How long is this good uh, uh, meat good for? Well, in the freezer. Well, here's here's the good thing. 
There's no recalls on it. No recalls? Oh. Because it's, it's wild. Wild caught. <laughs> you don't have to worry about going to a store. Like, and then you out of nowhere, oh, Stop and Shop says you have recalls on all this meat, you know. And you're like, the hell? Why would they recall meat on well, the store? Well, because if it's bad or if, like, wherever that they got it from, if it was sitting too long and they, like, you know how it is. It's just yeah, behind yeah. the scenes stuff that, like, no one sees. Right. You know, and but since the fact that I knew where it came from, I had to drag that thing oh, okay. uphill and everything like that, that, you know, and that's the weight on my back that I like to carry, knowing that whoever's going to be, whoever's with me or who's around me or whoever helped me bring this deer up to where I needed to get to, those are the people that are getting fed. Yeah. You know, and like I made a bunch of stuff like my mom, I made her like oh, a, ni- awesome. a nice like chop suey stew and everything like oh. that. And then I had like I had burgers, you know, the ribs and everything else. I messed around with it like a lot of like I, I, I like wild game cooking. It's different because yeah, you have to like I, go slow. You don't cook it like a real steak, like a conventional steak. No, no, you you go slow with it because huh. you don't want it to like burn or lose any like flavoring at that point. And you can't out buy it uh, outright. Buy I mean, you that can type of meat. You can buy it outright, but it's never going to be the same because the fact is that you have that connection. In that yeah, sense, man, that that's it's different type of food. I've never gotten food that but, I the, like th- the, well. Think of it like this: so if you're the buy like chicken or whatever from the store, yeah, you're getting your protein and stuff like that. But it's it's an animal that's being like meant to do that right now, being produced like massively across. You know, mm-hmm. however, if you think of the animal itself, all right, so. You got you got like an elk or a bison or anything like that. Those animals are meant to be in the wild. They are built for the wild. They are built for the cold. They are built for running. They're built like just straight out Good survival. Point. Yeah. So essentially, you're eating the DNA of that strong animal that's making it be like that. So okay. now, when you think about it, you, when you eat something that's wild caught like that, you're taking in the DNA. Your energy level is different. Your body processes it way easier you feel different after you eat something that's like wild game caught like that how do you feel when you eat it i after i feel like my energy level is up my recovery is better wow yeah it's pretty crazy and like i I thought it was just part of the game like just having (laughs) it be a, a hobby that you enjoy but the meat is the same no no honestly like ever since like i've had all that like i don't buy that much like grocery store meat anymore I'd rather get it myself in that sense. And you're okay with eating, like, the same type of meat? Yeah. Yeah? And, like, yeah, I'll slow down on it here and there because you don't want to eat too much red meat and stuff like that. But my big thing is, like, I, I know where it came from. I didn't have to worry about it being behind, like, the at the store. Mm. I don't know what they were doing with it, you know. I got it. I took it to the butcher that I trust, you know. Mm. And... About a day and a half later, I have like about 60, 70 pounds. Boom. Wow. You know. 60, 70 pounds. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, exactly. Because then it's like I had steaks, I had burgers, I had ribs, you know, I had Lunch tenderloins, you know. Wow. Everything. So you got yourself a nice large freezer. Oh, uh, it, that thing, that lasted me from like November, December, January, like five, six months. Wow. That's amazing. You must save a lot of money. I did during that time. With... Red yeah. meat, buying red meat. Well, however, though, I mean, gas fare, driving and buying supplies, you know, to, like, go out there, you know, and keeping up with my, my equipment. Different yeah. Story, you know? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Imagine if more people got their meat that way. Well, like, think about it. Everyone used to be hunters and gatherers back in the day. That's what I think. Like, how exciting it must have been to know that you're going to feed your family that. Well, yeah. At, at that point, like. Oh, no freezers. Live, live, but. Well, at that point, though, like, during in this modern day time, you know, it was like. Yeah, I fed a lot of people with it, you know, and they were grateful. And just to see them smile, knowing that they're eating something good, was fulfilling at that point. Yeah, you know, and and then too, like, just I don't know, it's just a, being out there with nature too. It's like I got to get a socially distance away from everybody. Yeah, that know? must feel nice. It's, it's and like I, I was sitting out there, yourself. just yeah, just thoughts to yourself and enjoying what's around you at the time, you know, and just being out there. It's like zen. Mm. I'm glad you do well with your your own thoughts. I'm the same way. I can be by myself for a long time. Some people can't. 
handle that. They need to be, have people around them all the time. Yeah, and it's like, and it's once again though, that's like the whole ultimate predator mentality where it's like you mm. have to be, you have to be okay by yourself in order to be oh, so okay true. around other people. Because if you can't enjoy your own company, no one's gonna enjoy yours. Yeah, you know. Damn, another good quote. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm full of them, you know. So you have you have family um, that does martial arts too. Yeah. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about how? Um, what that's like and all right yeah, yeah like no, like I, who I, I does get, martial arts and who I get, doesn't i get i get what you're saying so yeah so i have an older brother who does jujitsu as well he's a purple belt now and uh him and i were always kind of like into it you know where mm. we tested judo out for a little bit here and there we wrestled obviously growing up and then kind of like he kind of did his own thing but then i kept pursuing this Mainly because like school wasn't going good for me, I couldn't focus in school. My all my focus was in on all this. Like I was missing class to go to the gym, mm. or if anything, it was like whatever they were teaching in class during that day. I wasn't like mentally there because I was too busy thinking about what I was, what I did in jujitsu, mm. or anything like that. You know, you were really yeah. that into the. Uh, the I, I was I was into wrestling. the whole fight game, in oh. a sense. You know. Yeah. How old were you when you made your uh, MMA debut? Uh, so my MMA debut, I, I was like 21, 22 for my amateur oh, debut. Wow. And that was only on like a month and a half of training. Because <laughs> I was with Louis Felix during that time with our rock star. Yeah. And I just came back from vacation. I was on a cruise. And then out of nowhere, he's like, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, Corms, you got a fight coming up. I'm Corms. like, what? <laughs> like, oh, okay, I guess I'm doing this then, you know. <laughs> You're crazy, and game. Then, and then... It was it was funny because then my mom started bugging out about it a little bit here and there. She goes, ah, you know, and I was like, Mom, don't worry, I'll be all right. You know. How does she feel about it now? She's much better about she it. She has now. to. Uh, She's yeah, better you fought about so many it. times. You know, I've I fought so many times, but no matter what, you're always gonna be mom's baby boy, mm-hmm. no matter what situation it is. You know, I'm the same. Yeah, yeah, and then um, no, nah, she was very nervous. I mean, because I had a lot of ups and downs, always fighting the bigger people. You know, but the big thing was I never stopped. And that's where I kind of differ from a lot of people where it's like, yeah, I've, I've had a lot of like downs, but when I get the ups, I appreciate them. And then I work even harder at that point. And then if I catch another, like if I catch a loss, then I'm going to work even more harder, mm. you know, or I'm going to push towards something. I'm going to, I'm going to find my way no matter what, mm. whether it's with, like I said, MMA or boxing, kickboxing, Muay Thai. Now that I have that mindset of there's more avenues, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Like I have options. You know, is there a um, a sport if you had to choose that you would stick to? You, would you have one? So do you mean like a martial arts sport or a sport that outside of the game that we're in? Because if you could say about both. All right. Well, if if I was going to do any other sport outside of like mixed martial arts, it would have been either soccer or tennis. Really? I. I used to be on a club team at Kenbrin in East Providence. I was like the I was the club champion there for a couple. We went against other clubs and stuff like that, you know. And I was I was pretty good. You no know? way. And this oh, is yeah. you talk about tennis. Yeah, and this was when I was like maybe around like thirteen. Wow. Because they made more money too. They were pretty good with the money in tennis, and then soccer mainly because it's like growing up, my brother and I we played on an all Portuguese soccer team as well too. Oh, okay, they must have been really good. Yeah, we were we were we were pretty good. We faced uh with, during that time when we were younger. Central Falls actually had uh like the th- third or seventh national ranking mm-hmm. for it, like in the country for that age group, and then we ended up like upsetting them. Wow, and stuff like that. Oh yeah, we were like Sick. we went to like every every like tournament that we were in. We pretty much walked through, you know. And but yeah, because we play we play on an all Portuguese team in these problems. It was EP Sporting under Joe Soares. Oh yeah, it was quite a time. And then my brother and myself, we were like the only like maybe two of like four people that didn't speak Portuguese. <laughs> so we were just like, yeah. oh man, you know, the only thing we do was like pass the key in Belize, you know. What does that mean? <laughs> pass the key, pass the ball, obviously, and then oh, oh, oh. and then Belize shoot, you know. Okay. And that's all that's we need to know. I guess. Yeah, I mean, we we could pick up on like body language and like stuff like that, and like what to do. But otherwise, if you were trying to talk mm. with us, we we're just like, yeah, you know, <laughs> can't can't do much there on that one, <laughs> no, man. 
Like, yeah, I don't got anything to say to you, but uh, thumbs up, you know. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> Pat on the back. Exactly. Fist bump. <laughs> Something mutual, you know. That yeah, you yeah, that's universal. Yeah, exactly, you know. So um, as we close here, um, is there is there any story about martial arts that you want to tell or anything that you want to share or hint at um, martial arts-wise? Um, anything coming up or... Mm. Or your plans well, of the future. Well, I have a lot of plans in motion, so mm. you're gonna you're gonna be seeing me in the boxing ring again. Awesome. You're gonna be seeing me do that once uh the new year comes in. I'm gonna be pretty aggressive with that one. And I do have a few things in the works for MMA within the next three months. Mm. So and it's gonna be at hundred and fifteen pounds as well too. Awesome. So therefore the strawweight king is back. That's what's happening. Let's go. Oh, yeah, it's going to happen, you know, because, like, the momentum that I have behind me and just, like, my mindset right now and just, like, how I how I am, there's not much that's really going to, like, I'm going to be fearing at that mm-hmm. point. It's just go out there and get after it at this point. Yeah, you have some nice support, too. Oh, yeah. That's I always got, people wearing I the got, shirt. I got, <laughs> I got some good support, but mainly the big thing is I got good, like, support in gym families mm. as well, which is highly important. You know, yeah, and I can't wait to see Dion Rubio and Richie Santiago go at it. Oh, that's right, coming up on for Cage Titans we on almost the twenty eighth. Uh, I know. Worry. I can't wait. Dion's pro debut. Pro. You know, I'm so proud of that kid. I remember when uh, I first met him. It was uh, at Workout World in East Providence. I was wow. on I was on ACL surgery leave, and what happened to you? To your ACL? I tore my ACL about seven years ago. Okay. Fully, fully, completely off the bone, stuff like that, you know. Fun stuff. <laughs> but obviously, I'm doing fine now. But so, Good. I was doing, doing rehab, and I had my brace on, stuff like that. And uh-huh. I'm I'm lifting, you know, like doing post-rehab, you know. And then I see, like, this kid in, like, a wrestling stance walking around the gym, you know. And I was like, oh, you want to wrestle? You know. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, I wouldn't mind. I wrestled a bit in high school, you know. I was like. I was like, show up, show up to Triforce in Pawtucket at this time, you know, on Monday night. You know, and then he came through. He did his week trial and stuff like that. He enjoyed it all. And then he went missing for, like, maybe, like, a week because I guess he wanted to get everything in order. Mm-hmm. And so pretty much, like, it's cool to see how everything pan out now because it's like I remember meeting him at the gym and then introduced him to Triforce and now seeing the growth that he's done over this past, like, five six years something like that you know mm-hmm. it's just like wow man you know it's like i'm glad that you stuck with it you know because this journey's only beginning right now yeah really and the, like i'm just like proud of the things that the steps that you taken and he also works for the same company that i work for as well at the school that's right so pretty much it's like i've almost been like a big brother in a sense to him right and he's been the kid brother you know who's uh-huh. Oh, always fun to be around, you know, good, good, positive energy, you is, know, fun, yeah. funny dude, very talented. I can't wait. I'm pumped for him. And, I'm, and I'm pumped for Richie, too, because like, yeah. me and Richie been grinding it out at 401. He looked good yesterday. I, oh, I, yeah. It was, I saw him even, sparring. Even sparring the other day, too, when he was at 401. Yeah, man, he has, I can't wait to see it all. It's going to be mm-hmm. great. You know, it's going to be great. Yeah, his, uh. Especially be, being a part of the training camps, too, that's. What like is the cool part about it, knowing that you I help know. that person get? I know, ready. right? That excites you know? me. Exactly. Like, I, it's like, yeah, it's like, it, to me, it's like you can buy tickets. That's all well and good showing support, but I, I, I love the people that are there to help you train for it. That's the real support to me. Yeah, good you know? point. Because it's like, yeah, you like some people might not be like a big ticket seller, but they're very talented, and mm-hmm. they're talented because of the people that's in the room that are pushing them every day as well. Exactly. Too. You know? Oh yeah, I, I would have definitely said I would have lost if it wasn't for my team. You know, there's nobody to help me get better. So exactly, and that's why I'm just as pumped because they helped me get ready for all my stuff, and I'm glad that I could be be in their corners coming up. Mm-hmm. You know, it's gonna be dope as fuck, man. It's gonna it will, be great. Man. You know, it will, man. especially I'm gonna be now there. that everything is getting back to like a, a normalization in a yep. sense as well too. Oh man, like it let's took let's go, people! You I know, know. It's, like, it's time. I know. Let's let's let let, let the beasts out. You know, let let the fighters fight. When it's I went, be great. When I went in July, July tenth, they had uh yeah, because Tyreen was on that. Yeah, and and it's all Massachusetts people, so it's great that now two people from Rhode Island are fighting. Mm-hmm. Like 
Like, let's bring that out there. No, oh, yeah. It's, it's awesome. It's, it's going to be great, man. I can't, I can't wait, man. You know, yeah, especially me being in the corner. I'm going to be so hyped. Oh, you're going to be in the corner? Yeah, yeah. Oh, dude. Both, for both, they, they both asked me. I was like, nah, you yes. damn straight, man. You of know? Of course. Damn straight. I used to say that a lot. I, used to, <laughs> I would always say damn straight, you know? <laughs> <laughs> cool. Damn it, I thought I made that up. <laughs> <laughs> I've said that before, but it was good, though. Good reminder. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll give you props for that I hope one, you can man. still use it. Oh, no, I'm still going to use it. I'm going to use it. I'll, I'll uh, hashtag it. Oh, yeah, Dan Straight, yeah. Dan Straight. <laughs> Dan Straight like Arrow. <laughs> oh, shoot. <laughs> Damn, this is all meant to be. Oh, yeah, for real, for real. Yep, but um, I'm going to close it now. Um, Dan, pleasure, hey, of course. Grateful. I hope you liked Thank it. Thank you. Oh, it was yeah, fun, yeah, man. I just yeah, like just sitting right? there shooting the shit, you know. Yeah, it even, really felt it, that way. Even though it's like we didn't talk a ton about martial arts, but we touched okay. upon them. But like you get to learn something else about me as well. And it's that's what I want. I you want know, people to like, just know Dan. Yeah, exactly. And, and the other part of Dan that people don't know, teacher's assistant in special education. Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah. All year round, man. This man. I'm there, I'm there for the kids, man. You know. Yeah, oh yeah, that's awesome. He wears many hats. Oh yeah, you know, shockingly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not surprised. Um, but thank you very much. Um looking forward to seeing you compete. Um if you're gonna do that again next year. Well you didn't mention two or three months. But Oh don't worry, it's gonna happen. You're gonna know. Cool. And I got I got a proposal for you after when we get done with this. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Sounds good, man. All right, my All man. All right. Thank you guys for another awesome episode of Talk. Or tap. Boop. Boop. All right, bye.